Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Director Scott Craddy, are you there? I am. Uh, uh, thanks for the intro, and I just wanted to welcome everybody to this is our fourth Mendocino County Fire Safe Council radio program, and an important one. Uh, we've all chosen to live in a fire adapted place, and putting them out or trying to make them go away is proving not to be an successful long-term approach to uh, managing fire. As demonstrated in recent year, uh, in 2020 alone, we had 4 million acres or 4% of California burn, five of the six largest wildfires, uh, and much of which, and a lot of which, was in our backyards, if not in our yards. Uh, and there have been a lot of personal losses over the years recently as well. All of us are going to need to be involved in the solution to this uh, ongoing problem or a problem for people who have chosen to that we or a problem that we need to adapt to I say and if you've been listening to any of the talk about potential solutions you've heard the phrase prescribed burns at the top of every list uh, so today we're going to be talking with two members of the Mendocino County prescribed burn association the volunteer group that's been working on how to implement this solution locally uh, and again, it probably couldn't be a more important topic for the longevity of communities in wildfire-adapted areas. Uh, and with that, so we've got Mike Jones with us and Norm Brown, uh, both of which have been intimately involved in, in that process. And I'm going to start by letting Mike give a little introduction for himself. Great. Well, good morning, and thank you, Scott, for having me. Um, so I am the uh, University of California Cooperative Extension Forest Advisor for Mendocino, as well as Lake and Sonoma counties. Uh, and so, you know, essentially in Cooperative Extension, uh, I'm sure the listeners are, are more familiar with the term farm advisor. So I'm essentially a farm advisor, uh, but I, I specifically work with private landowners on forestry-related issues. And... So I'm here to speak about TBA, uh, Prescribed Burn Association, which is this community-based model of neighbors helping neighbors use prescribed fire as a management tool. And the reason that I'm involved in this process is, is because, you know, my clientele or the private landowners that I work with really were interested in using this, having this as a tool, using good fire and, and managing their landscape. And so there's a lot of great interest in the area in Mendocino County and working with my colleagues. Uh, up north, uh, Lenny Quinn Davidson and Jess Stackhouse are really the experts in, in this, this model of PBAs and using fire as a management tool. And we really kind of are working to spread this model around the state. And so um, we've had a pretty successful start that we'll, we'll get into more uh, in, in Mendocino County. Great. Thank you, Mike. Um, Norm, could you give us a little introduction? Yes, and uh, thanks again for having us on here this morning. My name is Norm Brown, um, a local uh, Mendocino County resident, born and raised here. Um, I got my interest in fire, uh, started uh, in the early 80s working for CDF or CAL FIRE as we now know it. Um, one of my positions was a vegetation management uh, program administrator. Um, been involved in doing control burns for many, many years. Um, Got my start, like I said, with uh, in the fire service. However, I've been burning on uh, my own on uh, property that we're, we have an interest in for about 30 years now or so. And so I've seen the um, benefits of fire on the landscape and um, I want to be able to promote that as much as, much as I can. Great. Thank you, Norm. And I'm going to just see how the conversation flows here, but let's start at the top with... Um, 
you know, what, what is prescribed burning and why is it important that we do more of it around here? Mike, you want to start with that one? Sure. Sure. I'll take a, I'll take a stab at that. Norm, you, you fill me, you fill in where I forget. Um, so yeah, we've already hinted at it. Scott, you started off the conversation by really saying that we live in a fire adaptive ecosystem. So that essentially is, is really the gist of it is that we live in a place where fire is an important natural disturbance that has shaped the way our native flora and fauna have adapted. And so fire is an important, uh, an important aspect of the landscape that maintains, that helps to, to create healthy forests, healthy rangelands, healthy, healthy ecosystems. A lot of our native plants are fire adapted in that they even need fire at some point in their life cycle for reproduction or development. And so fire is a really important part of the landscape. And uh, so it's a really valuable tool if we can use it to manage, right? We can't just let wildland fires burn uh, in a lot of cases because of the potential impact on, on the population. Uh, so maybe, uh, you know, a, an approach that is, is suitable is using prescribed fire, which is essentially uh, conducting, using fire in, in um, you know, a controlled manner in which you are uh, using, putting fire in the ground at a time when you are, uh, uh, you know, uh, have studied the weather, you have specifically described the area that you're going to burn, you've put in plans to control how that fire burns and plans, uh, you know, to do that safely without having issues with, with the fire getting out of control. Uh, and so, you know, returning this kind of tool or to the, to the community is really important because it, it's a, a really a, a, an effective way of managing the landscape. Uh, and for a lot of different reasons, maybe we'll get to, but ecologically for fire safety, um, it just has a lot of really great um, um, applications. So uh, I think Norm can elaborate a little bit more, but I think it's just a, it's a really phenomenal tool to add to our toolbox that will really help uh, get a lot of the goals that people want for the, their, for their landscapes. Oh. Anything you want to add, Norm? Yeah, there's just a couple little things there. Um, so a couple of the reasons why that I'm burning is um, adding the fire back to the landscape is uh, habitat, uh, fuel reduction, and, and whatnot. And it's just amazing when you get out there and actually see um, the after effects after you burn. Um, I have burns on our property from anywhere from last spring, so let's say six, eight months ago, to 15 years ago and it's it's uh, quite interesting when you go out and actually kind of study and look at the um the fire effects afterwards uh the regeneration the habitat the <clears throat> the animals that, that come back in the area um in california we're not going to stop the burning here um it's been going on for eons and and there's been some some studies that have shown um as you stated earlier scott we burned four million acres or so in in california this year which was um quite unprecedented in modern times. However, some studies have shown that um, in California, pre-Euro-American settlement, anywhere from four to 12 million acres may have burned annually in California. Um, so it is an ad a fire adaptive landscape. And um, I think fire is, is just as important on the landscape as rain. However, you know, we need rain every year, but we do not need, you know, maybe fire every three, four, 10, 20 years, but it's just as important on the landscape um, in California. Great. Great. And at scale um, sounds like a fairly big issue for it to be a landscape management tool. And I know we'll get into a little bit uh, down the road what what 
you've been doing lately and, and the degree it's come back, but uh, it sounds like it would require a pretty significant program to, to have a significant effect on, on the current wildfire, wildfire situation. Is that, uh, is that accurate? I would consider that accurate. Yeah. When you look at a broad landscape um, component, um, it's pretty daunting if you look at it. I mean, just for us as a prescribed burn association, Mendocino County, what is there? 1.3 million acres in Mendocino County, something like that. Um, When I work for Cal Fire, the concept of trying to treat the 30 some million acres that Cal Fire has, I mean, it's, it's daunting as a broad landscape, but we need to start someplace. Um, it'll take a while, but, um, and it needs to be put strategically, you know, if burns if, if we're going to be looking at protecting, um, communities and whatnot, but we can, we can definitely, uh, we can definitely start, um, putting fire back out there. Oh, and I think that's kind of an important part of the prescribed burn association is that you, um, I mean, it probably is of us. The scale that we need to get to is more than we can rely on other agencies to do. So as part of what you're about, uh, sort of bringing individual landowners back into the process and finding a way for them to get involved. So there's uh, kind of a, a wider base of people involved in the process. Yeah, no, that's exactly, exactly what we're trying to do is we're trying to make, uh, fire as a tool available to to the private landowner right trying to show that you don't have to be a professional to to kind of implement good fire on the landscape that you know there is a process there is a permitting process and there are some 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 you know you have to be fairly comfortable and confident in your abilities but that's all things that we can teach or you know we can help teach and people can learn and so it's, it's a very accessible tool that um you know more people we want more people to, to be able to use. And we want to, we, part of the other goal is, is this is an educational opportunity where we can reframe the way people think about fire, right? We've, we've kind of lived in a fire suppression culture for a hundred years. And what we see in the media and, and what we kind of perceive is that, you know, we see these huge walls of fire and homes burning down, which is, you know, it's, it's horrible. And that, and that's not, you know, that's, that's, you know, the, the bad side of, of fire that's the bad fire we call it but we really want to show people that that's the rarity most of the time fire is good it has a really important ecological function and so this is an opportunity to show people you know what what a controlled burn looks like get people out and experience this and it's it's, it's pretty amazing to, to have somebody come out to a burn you know we can talk about it a little bit more but we had a reporter come out to one of the burns we did and she was very skeptical about using fire and by the end of the day we had her on a drip torch and she was actually putting fire on the ground and was like a blown away at, at what it what actually was and, and was like oh my god you know this isn't like we're not like putting down fire and there's 20 foot flame lengths and things are going crazy this like six inch flame lengths creeping along the ground that we were stepping over and it was it was pretty awesome to watch that change in her perspective her, in her perspective so it's not just about you know the actual putting the fire in the ground, which is really the important part, but it's about the, the education and the outreach part of the, the component too, and changing the, the way we think about fire um, in California. Hey, uh, Mike and Norm, I wonder if you could each take a moment and just describe uh, visually for our listeners what a healthy wildfire looks like and what a catastrophic wildfire looks like and what the difference is between the two. 
Norm's the fire professional, so I, I will let him take the bulk of that answer and fill in if there's anything I, 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 I think about. But Okay, I'll, get, I'll try to give that a shot. Um, again, we have uh, different intensity of burning. Um, and on the news, um, videos, the internet, you know, we've, we've seen all these, um, you know, these high intensity flaming fire fronts on the news make great video and all that kind of stuff. And, and it really all depends. Um, when I burn brush, for example, chaparral, North Coast chaparral along here, uh, chemise, manzanita, etc., cetera, um, I can get some of the same intensities burning in December as I, as it would burn in, in August or September. And, and you're, you're burning up those fuels and it's not catastrophic. It's, it's like a trimming your hedges. Um, you, you, if you were to cut it off, it's going to re-sprout and it sprouts back up. So burn, it looks intense, but it's not necessarily catastrophic. Um, I think one of the biggest issues we have now is the fuel loading. So now we get uh, maybe into the timberlands where we have, we haven't had, air burning in there for um you know 100 years 80 years 50 150 years who knows um you get the fuel loading fuel loading build up and where uh i'll use a redwood forest as an example where fire frequently burned through there whether it was um naturally caused by lightning or maybe native americans said it um and it was the elite creeped along the ground didn't really get into the the tree canopies um Redwood bark is, is very resilient, so it protects the trees. But now we have the fuel loading that <clears throat> causes these high-intensity, long-term burning in those forests. And, and now we might get some mortality in those uh, in, our, in our redwood forest. Um, so that's, you know, s- some of the differences. Um, grass, grass will burn about the same, uh, depending on the condition, whether it's August or 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 November or whatever. Um, but so it's, it's really kind of hard to uh, explain what a catastrophic fire looks like. And even a catastrophic fire, one would be ter- deemed catastrophic um, that may kill some timber, just starts the process of forest regeneration all over again. Mike, do you have anything to add on that? No, I, I think that's really good because, it, it, you know, it, it, it depends on that. Norm basically said this, but it depends on the vegetation type, right? What is considered high intensity or high severity in one type of vegetation may not be the same in another. But typically you think about a low severity fire as a creeping ground fire, where there's in a forested system, for example, a low severity fire is one in which it creeps along the ground and you don't have a lot of tree mortality as opposed to a high severity or high intensity fire, uh, two different terms, but kind of the same principle is one in which the fire is crowning or burning through the canopy and you're getting a lot of tree mortality. Um, and you find those kinds of fires occurring under extreme weather conditions, uh, build up the fuel. And so those are pretty, That's the. those are the fires that we see in the TV because they make for really dramatic photos when you see these massive walls of fire burning through the forest and the communities. It, it makes for uh, a great story. But you know, what the kind of fire that we are using, Norm talked about, you can get some pretty high intensity, but it's very localized and easier to control because we've managed the fuels around the area that we're burning. Um, but a lot of fires that we've conducted and that we've been part of, um, you know, a lot of the time you can hold your breath and step over the head of the, the front of the fire and walk, walk around the area pretty easily. So, you know, we're, we're 
we're burning in conditions in which we're trying to avoid these these high severity or high intensity conditions. And that, just to speak to that, it sounds like the goal then is to prevent overall forest death, whereas a healthy wildfire practice is going to have fire and it's going to help tree health and prevent large-scale forest death. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Right? The idea is to if you think it's historically from the fire scars and the and, you know the reconstructed evidence of, of fire return intervals and what we know about the historical fire regimes in California is that the forests and and a lot of the ecosystems experience on whatever return interval either it was 25 50 to 100 years they experience what we assume are typically low to moderate severity fire which means there wasn't a lot of mortality in the in the overstory or in the trees it was that it was burning the understory the shrubs and cleaning up the understory, helping with the regeneration, killing some of the trees that were stressed and dying, so reducing competition between trees, keeping the structure open, and, uh, you know, improved forest health. It, they encourage regeneration, especially in species that are serotonous, um, or those are fire depth species that need fire to actually regenerate. And so, um, you know, it basically was a this landscape of It really recycled the, the dead and dying biomass to help new healthy biomass biomass grow. And so what we're seeing happening right now is because we've been suppressing landscape level fires, there's been this incredible buildup of biomass. These are very productive systems. Um, so when fires do occur now, there's so much fuel or so much vegetation, living and dead, that the fires have higher severity, higher intensity. And we're seeing it, you know, kind of this change in the behavior of these fires. So it's not that there's more fires, right? Like Norm said, this year average historic we're burning four to twelve million acres a year, either through Native American uh, practices or, or naturally. Um, and on average, before that, you know, Cal Fire would put the numbers out. And we're burning, you know, five hundred thousand acres. So we're really suppressing a lot of that landscape level burning. Got it. Uh, if you just tuned in, you're listening to the FireSafe Mendocino County. Uh, radio show. We're talking with our host, Scott Craddy, uh, director of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council. Our guests today are Mike Jones, the forestry advisor uh, through the UC system for, I think it was like in Mendocino County. Do I have that right? Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, Sonoma. And Sonoma. And then also Norm Brown. Uh, leader of the Prescribed Burn Association in Mendocino County. My name is Cobb. I'm engineering in the studio. So, might be a good time to start. We we sort of touched on this a bit, but start walking through the process. If um, We'll talk about the Prescribed Burn Association history in a moment, but just to sort of approach it from a practical angle, if you're sitting out there in Mendocino County and wondering whether it makes sense to to start working on a project and moving towards doing prescribed burn on your land, you know, let's start with how do you assess, I'm, I'm assuming some places where the fuel buildup is so much, it might not be a good candidate uh, for prescribed burn. So how do, you, how do you look at your land and assess whether it makes sense to start developing a, a burn project? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the framework and then Norm, who has certainly has a lot more practical experience he can fill in where I, what I leave off. But, you know, the first, the first step in any, when, whenever I talk to landowners, the first step is always to define your goals and objectives. What is your 
the immediate goal and what's your long-term objective for the management of your, of your property or the property you're managing? What do you want? What do you want to get out of that property? What do you want it to look like? And you've got to answer those questions. And then the, the next question is, okay, so you've developed your management plan or you've kind of developed an idea of what you want this property to look like. And you think that prescribed fire maybe is a viable tool, something that you're interested in using. Uh, then you really have to think about, well, why do you want to use fire and what, why? Why are you using it and for what purpose? You're right. You know, we, we talk about the value and the benefit of using prescribed fire, but it's really important to remember that, you know, it's not always the best tool for every situation. It may be that, um, as you said, Scott, there's too many, too much fuel at the time. So maybe you got to get in there and do a lot of vegetation management before you can even use fire because you might have unintended consequences. You know, if there's too much fuel, the, the prescribed burn can burn too hot and you could have too much tree mortality. Or maybe you have planted a lot of seedlings. Maybe you're managing for timber and you just planted a bunch of uh, redwood or dug for seedlings or something like that. And you need to clean up some fuels in the understory. We're not going to want to burn in that situation either because you're going to kill the plants that you just put in the ground. So fire is not always the best tool. It doesn't always fit the management goal. So you've got to think about why you want to use fire and if it's going to get the, the outcome that you like. So if you've decided that it's going to be an effective tool and it will get you the, the, it'll achieve the goals and objectives that you're looking for, then you need to develop a burn plan, which is basically a template that outlines, you know, what your burn units are or the, the pieces of, your, of the property that you want to burn. Um, you define those by their vegetation type. You look at the topography and um, kind of what the prescription will be. You know, there's different ways to, to put fire on the ground. So you have to kind of define how you'll be burning what you'll be burning, when you'll be burning. So you develop your burn plan. Um, and then there's some permitting. So if you're burning um, during the permitted burn season, you need a, a, a smoke management plan, which is basically a plan that indicates, you know, I'm going to be doing this prescribed burn um, and how am I going to mitigate for smoke, particularly if I might impact sensitive communities or sensitive receptors. You also have to have air quality permits. So on the day of the burn, you have to get a permit from air quality district. Um, saying, hey, I'm going to burn, and then they give you the okay. And, and you can technically burn during the no burn when CAL FIRE restricts burning, but you need additional permits through CAL FIRE, and they, they require a lot more um, contingency and suppression resources um, and, and kind of planning because it is riskier when you're burning during potential fire season. Um, and so an, a really important part of this whole process is communication. You need to talk with your neighbors. You need to communicate with CAL FIRE, with your local fire district. It's something that you're not just doing in isolation. You need to be very communicative with the entire community to make sure that they're supportive and that you are, um, you know, kind of keeping them in the loop at, of, of the process, not just out of courtesy, but because they can help you. They can be an asset. Or maybe you can expand the amount of property you're going to burn, or maybe they can show, have resources or help out. It's a very grassroots effort. We want neighbors helping neighbors and, and everybody reciprocating on each other's burns. Um, so that's kind of the outline. Norm, I'm sure there's more to add, but it, it, it's not impossible. There is some permitting processes and there is some planning that has to go into it. Um, and you really need to think about it. But at the end of the day, um, it's, it's certainly a doable, uh, a doable uh, uh, um, process. So if I can add just a few things to this. So as a, if I was a private landowner um, or am a private landowner, been burning on my property, like I said, for 30 years, but how, you know, how does a landowner right now that has anywhere from, let's just say, five acres to 5,000 acres, 
Um, how do they go about this? And, and like Mike said, the landlord themselves needs to come up with what their objectives are. What do they want to gain? What do they want to get out of doing prescribed fire? And is it the best, um, uh, the best type of, um, oh, let's see, the best method to, to gain what, the, what they want? Um, an example, one of the things that I try to use, do for one of my objectives is uh, invasive species. So star thistle, for example, if I want to start trying to treat star thistle that's coming in, um, what time of year do you want to burn it? Well, what I've found and, and what little bit of studying I've done is, is you might want to burn that in June or so as, a, as the native grasses cure and you've got the star thistles coming up through there. The star thistle is still green and they haven't headed out yet. Um, they don't have their little yellow flowers, um, but the grasses they have cured. So you're able to burn through there and kill the star thistle before they actually seed out. That would be maybe an objective, maybe Medusa head in a, in a grass fuel, um, try to get rid of those invasives. Um, so what is the landowner's objective? That's what they've got to come up with. Um, another big component is habitat. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's another key. And then, what always falls with this is fuel reduction. We get that fuel reduction component, which helps everybody. Um, and then <clears throat> Mike uh, talked about communication a little bit, and that's really key, I think, to um, this whole process as we move forward. Um, there's a big push. There's a bunch of people. I think we've got over 100 people, Mike, already um, interested in in being part of the Prescribed Burn Association. So it's kind of like that old Kevin Costner movie, um, Field of Dreams, build it, they will come. Um, but it's communication, it's, it's, it's education, it's getting out there that these burns can be conducted safely under the right conditions. And that's one of the biggest keys is under the right conditions. Um, some conditions and, and fuel, you, you need a minimal amount of resources. And other times we might need to burn in, let's say, July, and we need much more resources. Um, we have um, what's looking like right now a big support from our local fire agencies and CAL FIRE also. Um, they're really supportive of this, and um, I think that's going to be a very big asset. It sounds like, so there's obviously a lot to know and a lot to think through to build a plan and to figure out, you know, where and when certainly invasives and what's, what's on your landscape has a large part to do with when. Um, for landowners that are just kind of new to that whole field, where do you start? Would you, do you start with uh, contacting the prescribed burn association or do you start with the UC or how do you, you know, how do you, how do you get help building that knowledge base to start on your plan? Yeah, so we have in, in the UC system and within the community, um, you know, I should point out that UC has been a, a, a really important, has taken a really important role in this process, but it's, it's, we're not alone. There's lots of other entities, individuals like Norm uh, across the state. There's now 15 counties that are building prescribed burn associations, and there's a huge community that we all collaborate and work together. Lots of professionals contributing and lots of knowledge being shared. Um, Really, the best place to start right now is, is there's a statewide website called CalPBA, C-A-L-P-B-A dot, dot org. Um, and it is kind of a repository of all the information that from, from all our partners across the state. And we're kind of creating this resource for people to check out. They can email us to, to learn more about our 
projects in Mendocino County. So we have a, an email, mendopba at gmail.com. And um, also on my, on my extension website, I have some information about prescribed burning. So UCCE Mendocino, um, you can type that in your search bar. And uh, I will say that uh, I'm going to tease this, that Norm and, who, and, and I and, and our, the rest of the individuals on our steering committee, which is made up of private landowners and professionals, are developing a workshop that we're hoping to host this winter and spring to actually go through this process. So, uh, you know, we can't really work you know, through the whole thing with everyone because it's, it is, it is a bit, but we're going to introduce all the concepts and kind of start with basics, uh, you know, fire 101, prescribed fire 101, working through a burn plan, working through a smoke management plan, uh, the tools and implementation of burn, building burn units, um, and then actually putting fire on the ground and, and all the safety and communication associated with that to help people on this path, to help them, empower them to do this on their own. And the other really important thing to remember is that it's prescribed fire never went away. There's still a contingent of the community. A lot of ranchers and a lot of, of private forest owners are still using prescribed fire or pile burning. A lot of landowners still do this. And so there's a lot of knowledge still in the community. And those people are very interested in helping with the PBA and are contributing. So we can use their expertise and their knowledge to help uh, inform and train and work with people who are new to the, to the, um, to the tool of using prescribed fire and uh, help them, you know, this community helping community neighbor, helping neighbors thing and, and really rely on, on the, these individuals to work with each other and help, help teach each other. So it's not the professionals teaching the landowners. We really want to empower the landowners to, to do this on their own. And our, our goal as the PBA is to help not to lead the effort, but to be a, a a resource that, that people come to when they say, Hey, I've, I'm ready to burn. I've done all my homework. I've done all my permitting and all my planning. I'm ready to go. I need some help with some final pieces of the process. And the PBA goes, okay, we're here to help and we'll make this a possibility for you. So um, I think, you know, we, we have some very lofty goals. We're still young, but I certainly think that it's very achievable and that we are on a good path already. Norm, anything you want to jump in with there? Yeah, I'll just um, just reiterate just some of the things that, that Mike said. Like I said, this is, um, in my my opinion anyway, you know, it's a neighbors helping neighbors um, concept. And um, there are some landowners that have been burning. There's, But that, gen that knowledge that um, from years past, you know, Mendocino County, there's a book, uh, uh, Biswell, I think is his name, um, wrote a book on prescribed fire in Mendocino County. And, um, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, there was a lot of large landowners that was out burning. Now, of course, now we've got those ranches that have all subdivided or a lot of them subdivided and there's homes all through. So it, it, it makes it tougher to do that large scale landscape type burning. But um, those, those, those ranchers that used to burn, they, you know, thousands of acres every year. Um, a lot of that's gone away. However, there still is a number of landowners in Mendocino County that are that is burning and and that they're a great resource to help. So one of the things I think of with this group is you might have a landowner that's been doing this for years. Um, they know what they're doing and all they need is some help so they can contact be a member of the PBA. They contact the PBA, say, hey, I've got everything's um, dialed. All I need is maybe some equipment, and some manpower. Boom, we go out and we help them. 
or it might be a landowner that um, moved up here from Southern California, bought 500 acres, 50 acres, whatever, doesn't matter. They want to, um, they've looked at what objectives they want. They want to put fire back in the landscape, but they've never done it. Now the PBA is a pool of resources that they can draw on both educationally um, to help them line this out um, and, uh, and show them how, how this, this, how to go about it. And, you know, from basically walking them through deciding how they want to uh, do their burn to doing the burn plan to the permitting process and then the, and then actually putting fire in the ground from the, as simple as showing them what a drip torch is. So um, any experience levels are appreciated here and, and, and accepted. I also want to emphasize that the PBA is not just for landowners or land managers. Anybody who wants to help the community use prescribed fire can be a, a member or a part of the PBA, right? Uh, you could just be um, somebody who lives in the, in Ukiah, not have, uh, you know, be a renter. But if you want to come out and help with, with a burn, you can do it. It's anybody who's interested in helping use fire as a tool for ecological or fuels reduction fire safety. So it's a, it's, it's this really cool, inclusive model, community model, grassroots model that anybody who wants to join can join. Anybody who wants to come to a burn can come to a burn. We, of course, there may be um, different roles for every person, right? Not everyone's going to be on the fire line. Not everyone's going to be wanting to actually hold a drip torch or be around the fire, but there is a role for everyone, right? That, you know, when we, we, this is volunteer based, so we don't charge, when we come out and help on a burn. But we do ask that the landowner in which we're helping burn, the land manager burns, feeds the volunteers. So if you are a member and your goal is to just provide lots of really good food or you want to drive around an ATV with a cooler full of water bottles, that's your role. That's it's totally viable. Uh, my colleagues up north in Humboldt, they have a member in their PBA. I think he's in his 80s. He's been using prescribed fire forever. He's not as as nimble as he used to be, but he's on every burn and he just drives around the ATV and hands out water and drip torches. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to KZYX Radio, and this is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Fire Safe Radio Hour right now. Uh, my name's Cobb. I'm engineering in the studio. Our host is Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Director Scott Craddy. And our two guests are part of the Mendocino County Prescribed Burn Association. We'll get right back to it. Uh, a question I have for Scott and our guests. Um, is there any, we know it's a volunteer-based organization at a grassroots level still getting started. Is there any funding available to help move this forward? Uh, and what's that look like for landowners who are wanting to plan and, and need help with that sort of resource scale? And also... What liabilities do they have in terms of insurance and, you know, the potential for things to get beyond uh, any kind of control and dangers? Oh, yeah. You're getting some high-level questions there. So I'll try to parse it up. Um, so there, at, at this time, there, aren't, there isn't really funding to put fire in the ground. There's not very many um, re resources that will actually help you put the fire in the ground. But if people are familiar with some of the cost share programs we have for forest and natural resource management, like EQIP and CFIP, EQIP, which is uh, a, a cost share program through the Natural Resources Conservation Service, which is a federal organization, 
will actually help help with implementation of burning. So actually setting up units for, for burning, but they won't fund actually putting fire on the ground. Not yet. They're working on it. But really, they will help with prepping units to actually use fire. Um, and so at the end of the day, the actual implementation of fire falls, the burden falls onto the landowner or the land manager um, to fund. Um, for helping to build the capacity to have the PBA, we can, there's, Cal Fire is very interested in, in helping our efforts, so they, we can apply to some of their grants. There's also other nonprofit organizations that are interested in using prescribed fire that fund our efforts. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's new, right? We've only really been thinking about prescribed burn associations again, right? This isn't something new, new, but something that we've kind of re, we rediscovered in the state. Um, only the last couple of years, but there's more interest, there's more capacity. People are, are finding ways to fund it. So um, we're hopeful. We're hopeful that uh, it, this, this, as this becomes more popular and more people show interest in using prescribed fire, that it creates new resources and new new avenues of funding this work and, and new capacity. Um, the liability question is is very it's difficult. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not even going to try to pretend to answer this question thoroughly. Uh, hopefully Norm can fill in because he was working with Cal Fire and is familiar with the process. Um, you know, that is a serious issue um, to, to, first of all, to communicate the, the risk with prescribed fire and, and recognize that it's, rel- it's very safe. It's re- relatively very safe from, from a, a, a resource management or kind of a tool. Um, but, you know, there is concerns about liability, and a lot of the time that liability, if the landowner is in charge of the burn, meaning they're the ones that are actually taking on the responsibility of getting the fire um, on the ground, then they are the liable agents. They are the ones responsible for anything that should happen. Um, however, they can hire a burn boss, which is a professional that is certified through the NWCD or the, the federal kind of firefighting organization and that person is a professional and they can take on the liability the landowner has to pay them it can be sometimes very expensive sometimes the uh the burn boss will take partial liability the landowner will take the other part we've also found that some ranchers who have large landowners have still have insurance in their or, or prescribed burn is covered in their insurance it's, it's very infrequent but that has happened as well and so that's actually one of the big things that my colleagues are working on in particular and is trying to figure out if there's a way that we can create a pool of liability insurance that landowners can apply to and get covered for the day of their burn so that we create this resource to help implement more burns because that is a pretty big limitation. People are very concerned about the risk of a fire accidentally um, escaping or uh, flopping over, if you will. Um, while it's very minimal, it is a concern that we have to address and has to be recognized, and so we're trying to figure out ways to, to, to deal with that. Um, big questions, hard, hard, hard answers, but we're working on it, right? It's something that it's just coming up, and we're really kind of going, all right, we need to figure this out if we're going to expand the capacity that, of, of using prescribed fire and working with PBAs. I know the the insurance issue is a huge one, um, and certainly our state legislators are well aware of it. I know Assemblyman Wood's office has been uh, looking at it and working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you know one of the issues would be trying to I think uh, 
in prior years there was an effort to look at legislation that would uh, you know, change the liability standard to one where it would have to be like a gross negligence on part of the landowner. Um, and there was a fairly huge pushback on that from the trial lawyers group. Um, yeah. So this is going to be, you know, as we look into making this a more useful tool in, in wider areas through the county and on the scale that we're going to uh, want to use it to help control our, our out-of-control wildfire situation, uh, we may have a we may have a legislative show down the road here, um, and that's going to be a place where the community can really pitch in, and that's a good reason to be you know um, to be tuned into the Fire Save Council Facebook page, and maybe even get our newsletter because when legislative when legislation comes up this year, and it will to help pave the way, uh, that's going to be where we can use a wide pool of people to help chip in uh, and help push that through. Yeah, no, that's very true. This is a grassroots effort that it's going to be the citizens who demand this resource and that will push the political change and the political will. It's important to, to recognize that, if I remember the terminology correctly, that California is a simple negligence, which means that you still have to be really, really intentionally messing up and not doing your, not being really careful and, and practicing due diligence, which I know is a legal term, but really, you really have to be uh, you know, screwing around to to lose control of a burn and, and be found re- uh, responsible because, you know, as long as you're really practicing safety and being a, as safe as you can, um, it, it's really hard to lose control and, and hard to prove that you did it intentionally. So, but we need to change that, the ability of funding to make people more comfortable with using fire as, as a tool. Funding is certainly a big issue, and I know you know we've we've looked at uh, the next time there aren't a lot of grant opportunities that I'm aware of at the moment. But as they come up, um, you know, I, Mike has talked to me in the past about maybe doing something as simple as uh, imitating what they did in Humboldt, which is uh, the association there has uh, kind of a trailer with all of the basic tools, uh, you know, that uh, we could put together for Mendocino County as, as a first step so that one, you know, each, each individual project's not scrambling to put that together. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are some things we'd like to get to, and we will be looking for opportunities to get to them. I loved hearing about the um, video project that uh, the, and the, the sort of uh, ABC's program that the prescribed burn association is looking at doing. And, um, you know, in my mind, the wheels are turning about how the Fire Safe Council can maybe help help produce that and, and get it out. I wonder um, if, Norm Brown, you could speak to the picture of what it's actually looked like in planning previous burns, what that timeline's been like, what that cost has been like for landowners, and maybe go through a couple of the burns that you've done or that you've assisted landowners with and how that's played out for them. Okay. Yeah, I can, uh, I'll, I'll touch on that just a little bit. So last year, um, we did our first, um, basically sanctioned PBA burn, uh, just a little bit South and East of Willits on a local landowner. Uh, one of the objectives that she had was, um, she's, uh, raises sheep and cattle and she wanted to, uh, put fire back on the natural grass opening she has to, um, to get rid of some invasives maybe. And, and, um, and and get some new growth back in, in those those grasslands so in a nutshell i guess chronologically um i was put in touch with her by a gentleman from the county of mendocino um 
I had a quick phone call with her and then went out and actually sat down with her. Um, and we discussed what her objectives are, what she wanted uh, to see from this. Um, she had a bunch of maps. Uh, we came up with the areas that uh, she wanted to burn. And so, again, all burns are going to be different. The complexity is going to be different. But this is just a little example of a fairly simple burn. It's going to be a grassland burn. Um, let's say, I, I, I can't remember how many acres, but let's just say it was 20 acres. Um, so I met with a landowner who had never done any burning before, um, needed the help, uh, the knowledge to, to see this process through. So we talked about the permitting process. Um, she was able to go down and get the proper air quality permits at that time of the year, uh, when Cal fire goes out of fire season, they no longer require permits. Okay. Uh, so we did not need any burn permit from Cal fire, um, but this burn was also in the um, district of uh, the Little Lake Fire Protection District in Willett. So we communicated with Little Lake and Cal Fire and made sure all that communications um, took place. Um, we then assisted her in, in planning, getting the equipment together, getting the people together with through the PBA. And this is where this neighbor helping neighbor and the educational and training component comes in. Um, we were able to, we could have done this burn ourselves uh, with a couple of drip torches. However, for the sake of training and education, we also threw out, we, we were able to get uh, Little Lake Fire Protection District provided an engine and some people. We were able to do a training component with them, how to light fire. Uh, Cal Fire also came down and, with an engine and, and uh, had an engine on standby. Um, just in case something did go, go wrong, it's, it's nice to have that, um, little insurance policy of, of having a fire engine there. So, um, again, our local agencies and Cal fire are real receptive to this whole program. And, um, and, uh, that first burn we did was very successful. And what was the total timeline from, you know, your beginning conversations to when the burn was complete? On this particular burn, uh, timelines were a couple weeks, basically. Um, and one of the one of the aspects we have when we're doing these prescribed burns is is uh, we haven't touched a lot on it, but it's conditions. Um, you know, we're not. We might burn in July, let's say, uh, if it if it's safe to do so. But most of these burn windows are going to start in the late fall sometime, and usually run up into May maybe towards the 1st of June, all depends on the weather and the conditions. Um, so once I met with the landowner, it was raining at the time. And so we just needed to wait till we had a little dry period and we got a little burn window. Um, and I'll use right now as an example, right now is the very good window to do some burning. We've had this, this uh, dry last part of November and first part of December. And right now is a very good burn window to be out doing some burning. Um, so we could have put this burn together um, in a matter of days, in all reality, on this particular one. Um, there was no really no prep work needed for the burn units. Um, they already had some roads around it, and we, we decided to use one of our tactic was, was called firing from a wet line, so we do not need to disturb the soil by cutting a hand line or using a dozer for any type of fire break. Um, so this particular burn was, was could, could have been done in a matter of days very easily. Um, once somebody has all their permitting, their, their burn plan together, 
um, a burn can take place as, as quickly as the day before. You know, if you find you got a good burn window and it's a no burn or it's a burn day the next day, you can. This is in, in theory the way that I, that I think about it with the PBA. An email can go out, hey, I need some help, and you can do a burn the following day as long as you have all your permitting um, in place. On that note, can you both uh, give out your contact information again and any other relevant educational material contact information for listeners that are interested? Yeah, I'll give out yeah. mine to start with. Um, again, my name is Norm Brown. My email is normbrown2002 at yahoo.com. Um, I got a phone number. I'll, I'll even give that out, 707 489 9727 and I'd be more than happy to take any calls anybody interested um, in the PBA and and uh, we can we can certainly chat yeah and uh, uh, my name is Michael Jones I'm the extension forester my email is m jones at ucanr.edu and so you can email me about any questions related to forestry there we have a website that you can just search in your search engine UCCE Mendocino. I have resources on forestry and fire, including the Prescribed Burn Associations and Prescribed Fire. For information about the statewide effort of building PBAs and, and looking at, um, you know, what the state, what different groups are doing, we also have information on kind of the burn process, um, contact information, all kinds of really, it's just a great resource that we're, we're just, we just built it and we're continuing to expand it. But that is calpba.org, so C-A-L-P-B-A.org. And then if you're specifically interested in working with the Mendo PBA, we have a, a you can email us at mendopba at gmail.com, and that we have a listserv there, and, and we will be sending emails uh, regarding our workshops, and that will be, be soliciting help for prescribed burns, um, and so that's a really good place to contact us. And how about the Fire Safe Council, Scott? Contact information for, for interested folks. Let's oh, try that it? without the mute on. Huh. Uh, the uh, Fire Safe Council's general email is firesafe at pacific.net. And we've done an awful lot of work building up our website recently and still adding to it. So uh, there's some ongoing news there. There's a membership option. There's all kinds of things, um, and including we just put up um, our annual report for the last fiscal year. So if you wanted to get a sense of what we've been up to, that's a good thing to flip through. Uh, and that is firesafemendocino.org. I have a, it's a little bit of an aside, but it seems, you know, beyond the priorities of, you know, forest restoration, forest health, um, general improvement of the environment and, you know, promotion of, of native species and so forth, uh, it seems like there's an obvious economic benefit to livestock ranchers. Uh, what about uh, timber harvesters um have, have there been any small-scale timber harvesters that have worked on burn plants for their timber operations is there any partnerships or are the large-scale landowners like hrc or mrc engaged in prescribed burning as a tool so um 
they are they are aware of our efforts and they're interested in what we're doing. Um, they pile, you know, forestry pile burning is very common as a way to manage fuels after you know harvest or when they're doing thinning efforts. Um, and they, they are we're thinking seriously about how you use prescribed fire in a production forestry capacity because that's one of the things I mentioned was that you know if, if you're going through and harvesting in your forest because your primary goal is timber production. And then you're replanting, you know, there's uh, uh, there's certain windows in which fire is not going to be a very effective tool. But I certainly think that there is a very um, a, a very good role for prescribed burning in forestry conditions, especially when you're trying to manage understory vegetation and, and prep prep forests for for either production or, or, or fields reduction for fire safety. And so there, you know, and, and you know what else is, is, is that historically forestry used prescribed fire a lot too. And so it's just thinking strategically about the best way of applying that in, in, in those, those kinds of conditions in which you have different management goals and objectives. Um, and so really, it's another place that we're, we're, we're thinking about the value and the role of fire. And so um, it's a great opportunity to work with them, too, because they are very interested. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We're coming up on the end of our time here. So I wonder if uh, maybe we could just get a quick closeout uh, from all our guests today. Uh, you know, just to shout who you are, uh, maybe a quick contact information again, and, you know, a request out there to listeners to maybe get engaged and participate in what that might look like for them. Um, I'll, I'll start off. Just This is Scott, the direct, executive director of the Mendocino County FireSafe Council, and uh, you can get in touch with me directly at directorfiresafe at pacific.net. Um, and I want to thank uh, Norm and Mike for the great information today. I know one of the things I'm going to do is get on the listserv. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know, we, we talked earlier uh, offline about uh, all the incredible, interesting, sophisticated equipment that can help uh, with these projects. Uh, and Mike had uh, also wanted to sort of made the great point that all you need is appropriate clothing uh, and very little else if you want to be involved. So uh, this is a great opportunity for community engagement and to start becoming part of the solution. Yeah. Scott, you're already on the list, sir, so you're good. Um, my name is Michael Jones. I am the UC Extension Forester for Mendocino County. My email is mjones at ucanr.edu. Uh, my, my office phone number is 707-463-4495. Uh, you can contact the Mendocino Prescriber Association at mendopba at gmail.com. And I just want to, my, my final word is, is that uh, my colleague has a saying, she says, every day is a burn day. It don't literally mean that you can burn the ground every day, but every day, if you're thinking seriously about using prescribed fire, you should be thinking about how you're going to implement it, how, you know, what you need to do to be ready when it actually is a good day to use fire. So if you're serious about using fire, every day is a burn day. Thanks, Mike. That's a pretty good closer for it. Uh, my name is Norm Brown. I'm uh, part of the committee of Mendocino Prescribe Burn Association, and uh, again, my contact is normbrown2002 at yahoo.com. Um, 